This is an ABC podcast. We party, party, party. We party, <laughs> Bali style. Let's go! Yay! On. Hello, Zan. Hello, Mifanway. How are you? I'm good, but I'm also a little bit sad. Yeah. We need to address the walrus in the room here. Aww. Oh, just shocking news. Well, last week there was so much joy for the beautiful Freya who has been spending her life sunning herself and destroying various boats around the world, which is what they do and it's what they get up to and that is all fine and we were watching her on webcam and, and that was excellent um, but it seems human beings have gotten in the way of Freya doing what she does best which is pretty much was pretty much not much at all other than a bit of destruction on the side. Yeah. And it's awful they had to euthanise her. Yeah, if you haven't caught up with the news, we talked about Freya, I think it was three weeks ago on Bang On, you were absolutely enchanted mm. by her beauty um, her, mm. her girth, her yeah. ability to have a hot girl summer yeah. in the fjords of Oslo. And a few too many people got a bit too close. So despite requests from authorities, and they did say several times, please stay back, this is dangerous for you, it's dangerous mm. for the walrus, people kept on going up and like swimming close to her. I think they even said, if you don't stay away, we may have to euthanise her. So they gave a lot of warnings. And people didn't because humans are idiots and selfish. And so they've made the decision. The head of the fisheries directorate in Norway said that basically they needed to protect humans. They needed to protect human security. Humans from themselves. Well, exactly, because it's like... We are a disgraceful, disgraceful portion of this planet, aren't we? (laughs) Seriously. It's like, why can't we have nice things? Here is a walrus in its natural habitat. Mm -hmm. Also, a few people raising the possibility that maybe Freya's hanging out there because the waters are getting a little bit too warm where she is. Who knows? Who knows why she happens to be in that fjord? But people are swimming with the walrus. They're throwing things at her. They're surrounding her in large numbers and this is becoming harmful. And, and no matter how many times they said, don't do this, humans in all their selfishness continued to hassle Freya. And now Freya, for the safety of humans... Has paid the price. Has paid the price. For just being Freya. And it's really sad. Um, so I don't know what else we can say about it. I can say thank you to so many people who, when I mentioned it and shared the news story mm. on my Instagram, a lot of people hadn't caught up with the news and were shocked. And the first thing they all said to me was, oh, my God, how's Miff? I know. I was devastated. I really was. It was. I had so many messages as well. Just, it was, It's just, we are, we are just ridiculous, us human beings, aren't we? We don't deserve, we don't deserve the position that we have on this planet, the way that we act. When we're given something, we just always want more. Mm. More, more, more. Me, me, me. And Everyone feel, else is doing it. I'm going to get there too. I feel in a way I contributed a little bit though because, you know, I was hyping up the, the, the idea and I love the idea of a webcam in the same way that I watched the per, peregrine falcons in Melbourne. Um, I love watching that sort of thing. But it's, a webcam, I thought about this too because I was like, are we part of the problem yeah. here? But the webcam is looking at them from a safe distance. We're not saying go and check them out and get up close to Mm. it. Like, give it space. It's a 600-kilogram walrus. So I don't know. I did think about that as well. I don't Mm. think that you're you're encouraging, you know, people to go and hang out with Freya. I'm not sure anyone booked a flight 
to the fjords of Norway after listening to Bang On, but maybe they did. And if they did, that's that's on us. That's a problem. That's on us. That's a problem. That's taking influencer culture way too far. Mm. Iron messages uh, via our Bang On inbox in the Bang Box and said, I haven't been the same. I wonder why mankind are so hell-bent on destroying beautiful nature. Kate also said, humans are the absolute actual worst. How is that possibly the solution? Surely they could have moved her or just friggin' tasered some of the humans. Absolutely. Or someone else mentioned get a security guard. Yeah. Why not get somebody to look after Freya? It seemed to escalate very quickly. And Gillian just put it perfectly. We didn't deserve you. R.I.P. Freya, thank you for bringing us joy. I'm sorry that we're such fucked units. And I hope that you are resting happily in a fjord heaven. Somewhere and destroying every single boat in sight. The Bang Box brought some joy this week to Miff. Um, We were talking a little bit about naturism (laughs) being on the rise in the UK. Oh, this was wonderful. It was a beautiful email. I loved it. And we're wondering if, you know, first of all, that article sort of talked about it being on the rise in the UK, but also the domain of being an older generation. Mm. Um, Lauren's gotten in touch. I'm part of a group of young Aussies that's actively trying to break the older nudist vibe, a super inclusive community who are actively striving for a gender-balanced approach to everything they do, which includes scheduled public events like hiking, yoga and sailing. Uh, Lauren shared a couple of Instagram accounts, which she did say were shadow banned, and we'll get to what shadow banned means in a moment, at Get Naked Australia, if you're keen, and at GNA. I'm assuming Get Naked Australia, at GNA Community, um, which is a private Instagram but has a screened entry and there are events around Melbourne if you feel up to a, as she says, bushwalk. <laughs> so thank you so much, Lauren. She sent me in a picture of her naturist group in Sydney. There's a bunch of people on a boat in Sydney Harbour facing the bridge, arms in the air, butt naked. I saw a bunch of butts and I felt exhilarated just looking at it, oh, imagining absolutely. the sun and the air on every part of my skin. Thank you, Lauren. I'm so glad that there are people of a younger generation, of all generations, yeah. getting their gear off and celebrating the naturist life. It is good for the soul, it I think, to put it soul. out there, get it in and out and shake it all about, <laughs> do all that business. It must be good for you. That's why people do it. Now, some other nudity popped up on Instagram this week. Um, that <laughs> what was a segue. To say. What a segue. <laughs> it's very hard, but I found my way. Certainly did pop up, didn't it? Oh, good Lord. Tommy Lee, and everyone's seen this. I actually didn't see it before oh, no. it was taken down. That's I'm fine with it, Miff. He posted a picture of his erect penis to Instagram and nothing happened. For six hours, nothing happened. Mm. Full frontal shot. Him just saying, oops, 1.5 million followers. I I can't even imagine the amount of shares. Six hours. He's got a record to promote, apparently. And clearly no one's that interested in a new Tommy Lee record because I can't even remember any of his other solo records. So Motley Crue as well. No one's that interested in new records for them (laughs) either. They just play the hits. So he kind of worked his way around how to get through cracking Instagram and letting everybody know about your new album by doing this, which I think is... For Tommy, probably he thinks he's a marketing genius mm. at this point. Mm. Um, I think he definitely thinks he's a genius, just full stop. Oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> the vibe. Yeah, well, he, he walks around with that kind of energy, doesn't he? Yes. Doesn't he? And now we know why. Um, <laughs> but we've also already seen it. Uh, it's interesting that uh, there were quite a few memes going around. I like this one. I shared this with my friends because I had people 
texting me going, "Have you? It's it's disappeared off Instagram. Have you got it?" And I went, "Yes, of course I have." <laughs> I know, I know. You're the screenshotter. No, I, I found didn't it. About you. I didn't screenshot it until they asked, but it was on Twitter. It okay. was on Twitter and probably still is. And you've got it saved to the cloud mm, yeah, and multiple well, backups now. No, don't you? no, no, yes. Um, but it, that was the funny thing. Like it got banned on Instagram, but it's still up on Twitter as far as I can tell, or at mm. least there's reposts up on Twitter. So that's it's never coming down. Um, but there, there's this quote uh, Millennials and Gen X can age themselves by how many times they've seen Tommy Lee's dick. And we, we've actually discussed the, the, the leaked porn movie that he did with Pamela Anderson yes. that she is still completely disturbed by. Yeah. That obviously he enjoyed the accolades from. He's not bothered by it, as far as I can tell. And, yes, we saw it then, driving a boat with it, that kind of business. Mm. Um, it has many talents. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's not the first time he's done this, and he's very proud of himself. And, look, you know, for, for just having the audacity to do it, you go, okay, that's okay. But then you think about the people that didn't ask to see that. Mm. It's like a dick pic in your DMs. Mm. You know, you shouldn't really. You yeah. shouldn't really have done it. And the, I don't think. the the overarching thing that I think most people have been reacting to this week is the double standards. Absolutely. Of what can appear on social media and what is taken down immediately. Often things that are in the realm of public health and sexual health. Breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Anyone breastfeeding, you get banned or, sh- or what they call shadow banned. There was a great cat chat on the hookup Triple J sex show last weekend on Sunday night and they had Georgia Grace on who's a sex coach and she captured it quite well. Often when it comes to censorship, and I see it in the content that I put out, it is censoring uh, bodies that look like they belong to women or non-binary or trans folk, heavily censored bodies that are fat or disabled or have scars or are black. So we're looking at, um, yeah, bodies who are oppressed are often more censored on this platform. So, yeah, it's pretty infuriating, to be honest. That's Georgia Grace, who was on The Hookup last Sunday. You can listen to her whole chat on The Hookup On Demand at the Triple J website. But it's so true, like this idea of shadow banning, which I kind of mentioned. And I actually had to Google what that really meant because I haven't come across it so much. I just want to see what the exact definition was. Is it was. a wrap on the knuckles? Is it like, a, oh, you're, you're, you're locked out for a week? Well, it's kind of, yeah, it's not a total ban, but it's when you a, a user is blocked from a social media site or online forum without their knowledge. Oh, so you keep posting? Yeah, so and, surely you work that out, but, there, but no but, one's seen it. But your posts, well, yeah, I guess you do figure it out when you're like, hang on, why has my you know engagement gone down so much? But to the, zero, their posts and their comments are no longer visible to others. But you think that you know you haven't been locked out of your account, so this kind of shadow banning um, is happening, and that happens on a lot of accounts, as as Georgia said there. It happens, um, you know, in articles that I read uh, this week as well, posts about breastfeeding, sexual health, body image, they've all found themselves on the wrong side of Instagram's morality line. Mm. Sex workers as well. Yeah, Even words, certain words, like the fact that sex has to be spelt with, an, with a three instead of an E so that the AI doesn't pick up that there's sex in it and just automatically kick it out. So where's the AI when it's scanning all these images? Mm. And for someone who's got a verified account and 1.5 million followers, where's the AI when Tommy Lee's erect penis pops mm. up, mm. literally, for six hours on Instagram, mm, mm. the double standards, and, you can't and we've miss, seen you, them before, yeah. are horrendous. Yeah, yeah, it's it's appalling, um, and I do think about that idea of consent as well. Mm. As much as we laughed at the time and went, "Oh, that's look, he got around it," 
it's not that fun for people who don't want to see that sort of thing nah. just coming up in your feed. Keep it in your pants, Tommy Lee. Yeah. We're not prudes or anything. We like nudity, but just, you know, consensual nudity, please. Now, Miff, there's a great article that popped up this week in The Guardian by Daniel Dylan Ray. I shared it. I noticed that a bunch of my friends who also work in a music field, whether mm. they're journalists or musicians or people in the industry, also shared. Uh, it's called Bring That Beat Back. Why are people in their 30s giving up on music? Of course I was going to read this article. Yeah. And it's kind of this sort of idea that this guy, Daniel, who does work as a music journalist, has sort of felt this inescapable disappearance of music from his friends' lives. He still listens, but he's noticed his friends are kind of not that engaged and not so keen to chase things down. He says, even people with whom I have a long-standing relationship that were born from a shared love of music have simply let it go or let it fade deep into the background. And he wanted to explore why. Why, when we are so hungry to consume music and discover and new music and to go out to gigs, that seems to fade as we get older. Mm. And that old idea that we just hang on to the music of our youth and particularly from our Mm. late teens and early 20s when our brains are cooking. It's a fascinating article, isn't it? And it it certainly went very close to the bone in, in some parts for me. Not all of it, but some parts really struck a chord. Yeah, I think what struck a chord with me was the line, people don't become fundamentally less curious because they get older. I think what this article is is dealing with is the fact that people become busy in their 30s. They yeah. might go off and have children. They might be caring for, for parents all sorts of stuff starts to happen where you don't have as much free time. However, I also think it touches on the fact that when you are younger, music is is a wonderful way to explore different identities mm. until you find your own. And I think it helps you find your tribe. I mean, it's something I've been thinking about with the book that I've written because a lot of it is about that. Music helps you find your people, helps you find your tribe, and it gives you a connecting point And from that, you become the person that you become, which starts to sort of level out a little bit Mm. by the time you're 30. So you don't need it as much. You know, like I I can remember being a little kid, you know, I say little kid, 19, 20, 20 through to 30, put it in my veins, you know. I, I just wanted to be at every gig. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to enjoy every moment and see everything. And and then I think you do start to get a little bit more selective because, A, you don't have the energy mm. because I think that, that dwindles. <laughs> and, you, and But you don't have the time. Yeah. You don't have the free time because life gets real. And Norman's going to wake me up at 5.30 a.m. Exactly. the next morning no matter what time I get home. I know. And, that, you know, people I see who are parents who have to who go out and enjoy their night out and, you know, the struggle the next day is real. Yeah. It is really real. But I also think it is about identity and it is about what you – what you want to attach yourself to and and what you need to attach yourself to and you're not you don't need your friends know what you love by the time you're 30 and you don't sort of need to keep telling them or mm. showing them it is very much about an outward like broadcast of this like you say that identity but it's not just you searching within it's about what you broadcast yeah. out and how you situate yourself in your community through the things that you love and music is like the, one of the tops of the rungs of that isn't absolutely. it when you're a teenager absolutely but when time is time is tight as it does get it, it's almost like that kind of falls by the wayside because it's not like we've stopped watching television shows or going to the movies 
or looking at beautiful buildings in cities around the world. Like we still do that or going, you know, we still have a, a, a lust to learn but, but for some reason music tapers off and the article suggests that perhaps it tapers off too because we're not used to going in for the long haul with artists as well. Traditionally or um, historically, pop artists only had a lifespan of about 10 years. Mm. Um, They would disappear. Bands would break up, whereas now I think things are different. So it does mean that you can go on a longer journey. It's whether or not we are culturally set up to go on that longer journey with with an, an artist, an established artist, because traditionally we've always believed that that was sort of more of a youthful thing, whereas Mm. now I think that's changing. Yeah. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for artists. It's a good thing for music fans to see that an artist can have a whole career rather than just one one high point. But I think we've got to change our mentality as well. Like, you know, I think music might be the first to go because we go, oh, that was just when I was younger. That was when I was younger and that's all I needed. But it's not true. You still need... You know, music gives you life. That's why we loved it. Music is life. Yeah, it do, it gives you life. When you see a live performance, it gives you life. And and we as human beings have always communed at musical events from the beginning of time. Yeah, and so We've gathered around the drum circle. Exactly, exactly. So I think to to dismiss it as purely a youthful endeavour is is perhaps a little. It's wrong of us. It. it it can give us life through our lifespan. So, yeah, it's, there's lots of different reasons as to why it happens. But then I think also culturally we're encouraged to give up music a little bit as well. I reckon that the focus of this article, while I appreciate it, was a little bit narrow because it was almost like the music that you fell in love with is supposed to be the music that carries you through your life. Mm. When I think about, you know, life becoming broader in terms of your experiences, and that's another part of it, when you're a kid and you hear a band and they're making the most exciting music ever, 10 years later you're like, oh, they were just referencing another band from the yeah. 70s, and then you've learnt that. So that sort of shock of the new does become a little bit dimmer because mm. your understanding of the music world becomes broader and you see those connections and those influences. Mm. So it's not like you're hearing something for the first time because you have heard it all before mm. and that's fine, that's yeah. great. But also more pointedly, life changes and it would be strange if it didn't. It would be strange if we didn't change and evolve. So for me, I used to live at a particular punk venue in Melbourne every weekend. I'd go to the art house, this scungy little venue where you could fit 20, 30 people in the front room Mm. and I'd see these punk bands play. And then I would obviously see a whole bunch of other gigs. I'd go to hip-hop shows. These days I'm seeing classical music and Mm. I didn't really start doing that until I was in my 30s. But that just, as soon as I went and saw a classical music concert, I was like, oh, my God, this sounds amazing. Mm. sounds completely different to what I've heard on the radio or on my parents' Bach CD. So this idea that this discovery and curiosity about music dies, I think is a little bit of a narrow focus because for me, I've discovered more music. I've, you know, I know it sounds a bit cliche. I get older and I get more into classical music and jazz, but I, I'm owning that. Like it's just a, it's a broader musical palette. Well, that's right. And an experience that I have um, as I get older and appreciate it, it's not giving it away. It actually is just shifting as yeah. we all do, as we change and as we mature. Yeah, this article is suggesting that if you're not keeping up with new music, then you must have lost interest. But that's, in fact, the opposite. There's always new music to be heard. It's just whether it doesn't have to come from now. Yeah. Like I can hear something still that I've never heard before. That's new to me. And that's fine. It's like how we were talking about Kate Bush and running up that hill. Mm. It's fine, you know, like whenever it comes, however it comes. Does You don't have to – and I also feel it's quite a 
it's, I hate to say it, it's a very patriarchal way of looking at it, you know, being on top of the fresh and the new and the, you know, getting those lists together, putting it down, ticking it off, you know, you're not, you don't know about this, you know. How much of the time when we were growing up working through public radio and whatnot and it's like you were looked down, oh, what, you don't know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, fuck off. But when you're older, you don't care about that anymore, exactly, do you? It's exactly. like you don't have to be the person who's like, I'm first. And I see that every day working at Double J. There's not a sort of like instant reaction to things like, I've got to tell you my opinion straight away because it's like, oh, no, I'll, I'm just going to sit with this for a bit. I'll respond later because <laughs> the kids are crying and I've got to do this job. But and, also, we, you, you know, it's you just not, it's not that driving things. sort of passion. You want to consider things a bit more too. Yeah. Like you can't, I it's don't, not knee jerk. No, and I don't want to have instant reactions to things anymore necessarily. I need more time. I want to think about it. The old brain takes a bit longer. <laughs> Imagine like a little old man riding a bike. Ch- churn it up. Miff's got to make a decision gotta again. Got to have a think. Got to have a think. But, you know, my best thoughts come two weeks after. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. when I'm on a walk. They don't come sitting there thinking about what am I going to say about this right now. Yeah. It's like, no, the actual, the stuff that is true and meaningful to me comes over time. When it's, you've had time to sit with it. Sit with it. Yeah. Sit with it. And if it's if it's old, it's new to you, that's fine. Yeah, that that's something I found a bit problematic about this article. I did, however, realise he was saying something that is very true. Like there's a lot of gigs that I've struggled to get people to come along to. Mm. Just because, not because people aren't interested, but it's people have just got lives. Life. Yeah, and the idea Old of getting life. a free ticket to a gig <laughs> you know, 30 years after you've been doing it since day dot. Like, sure, back in the day when you could go out for a night at the art house and have dollar pots and have your name on the door, that was amazing. But, like, people don't care about that stuff so much anymore. It's like I prefer to have seven hours sleep. Thank you. <laughs> also, there's so much more music available to us, and I think that is overwhelming. Yeah, 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 for There sure. was much less. There was much less 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, that people had shared shared conversations and it bonded them instantly because, you know, such and such was listening to the same sort of thing as you, whereas now anyone can be listening to absolutely anything at any time. Yeah. It's a very different world. I still think that there's that passion for discovery. I think this article speaks to a lot of people, but there is a heap of people that, that you know, it doesn't even touch the sides. Also, and certainly for, for me working in, you know, music yeah. broadcasting and that's always been my passion to discover the new. Mm. Um, it is overwhelming the amount out there, but I still get that buzz and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. And I and I love that, you know, when we ask Double J listeners, if we ever do surveys, why do you listen to Double J? The number one reason is for new music. Mm. It's not for nostalgia. Yep. It's not for the presenters, it's for new music. And I love that, yeah. that there's still people in our demographic, you know, 30 to 50-ish, who are hungry for new music. Mm. And that just makes me so stoked because yep. that's what we do. Like that's what we share. Yep. And and curating that and and gifting that, what we can sort of find the best of is, um, God, what a privilege. It's so Absolutely. Good. And that's the thing, curating it. That's what Double J does is curate for you the good bits and I think, when you are time poor, that's exactly what you need. We're here for you. Here for you. Here if you Not need. that I'm there anymore and I, I do enjoy it. Like I get overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that I don't have any idea about anymore. Like I feel like it's, um, I, you know, so I'll tune back in to Double J or I'll listen to Triple J for a bit or I'll listen to a commercial network for a bit. Like I switch around in the car just so I've got a, a vague idea of what's going on. Yeah. 
in the music world around me. But it, it is a lot more than it ever was. It's wild. It is wild. It's an interesting piece. I reckon that a few people will connect with this. I'll put it in the show notes as always. Bang On is going to be back in a couple of weeks because someone's going to Bali. Party, party, party. We party Bali style. Are you going to party Bali style? Well, speaking of old, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'll just be lying in a quiet corner, reading a book. That'll do me. In a villa? In a villa. Private villa. So no one can see me. Is this the first? No, it's not the first time you've been overseas since pandemic. No, nah, Eurovision. I went to is, Eurovision. The, is the first pleasurable trip? Yes, I think so. Trip of pleasure. Trip is this your pleasure. trip of pleasure? Yes, this is my first trip of. Oh goodness, that's what I call travel now. Trip, trip of pleasure, of pleasure, as opposed to a work trip. That's so good. Uh, yeah, it will be. It will be. So yeah. Um, see you in Bali if anyone's going. Hit me up. I've met heaps of Bang Fam recently too in the strangest of places. Oh yeah. It's just been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Nudist organisations? Well, yes. Um, no. Um, there have been quite a few. During I've been out to film festival events. People have just quietly bang-fammed me. It's been great. It's been really nice. I had a really good one the other day and I can't remember. If you're wondering what quietly bang-fammed means and you're new to the podcast, this is when oh, yeah. someone, it's almost like crop dusting. They're just sort of walking past you and they say, bang fam, bang fam. And we love it. We love it. Oh, I was at an art gallery. Oh, nice. And you got a bit of a bang fan. Yeah, got a bang fan. Love it. Yeah, it's we nice. We love the bang fan. Thank you for all your beautiful messages this week. It's just, um, it was so sweet to see you, the outpouring of grief around Freya, but also just all your little messages. We love yeah. to see them. We love to read them. Um, we try and get back to everyone that we can. And when I say we, I mean That's me. That's Anne. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so good on the emails. You can ask anyone. Sick burn. Um, I like, no, look, I took it. I lay back and I took it and I'm fine with it because <laughs> I know it's true. I don't even give you access to the inbox. I just forward you stuff. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But look at this. It's beautiful. And yeah. you're like, oh, we all know it's respond. you. We all know it's you. <laughs> Everyone Miff knows. Miff sees them. I forward um, along everything. But we didn't discuss the beautiful email that we got with a photo attached of a little prepare. Oh my God, yes. Mm. Thank you to Janie and Cass who um, absolutely took my breath away this week. They sent me a little email and said... Um, sent us a little email. Sorry. <laughs> come on, come on. Sent us a little email. I know email. I don't read them, but they're for us. Okay. <laughs> and let us know that um, they'd recently welcomed a child into their life. They'd mm-hmm. become mothers and that little child was a beautiful um, kind of blacky, grey, sort of salt and pepper, cocker spaniel puppy that they have named Zan. I know. And Zan, the puppy, I can't it's even so tell beautiful. you, had, had a little scarf with Zan written on oh, a little bandana around her neck. <laughs> Seriously, this is like, it was like a cute explosion, but it had extra levels because I used to have cocker spaniels as a teenager <gasps> and I had a beautiful black cocker spaniel and I looked at little Zan and I was like, that's my little Ollie. Did you? Oh, I didn't know that. That's crying. So it's, it's just beautiful. So thank you for absolutely making my week, my month, Aww. my year, naming your little dog after me. That What an honour. And they did mention that when another member of the family would be popping in, there'd yeah. be a little miff in the house oh, as that's well. that's so good. <laughs> I don't mind being second fiddle to Zan in this situation. Happy to come up at the you know at the end and just get get, get one named at the end. That's fine, guys. That's fine. I just you said, would have had dogs and cats named after you. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. It's good. 
yeah. It's the greatest honour, I reckon. It is, because we love our pets more than we love like most oh, people, yeah. to yeah. be honest. Yes. Like Other people might say, oh, that's a bit offensive, naming a dog after you. Like, nah. But I actually di- totally disagree. I think it's one of the greatest compliments. The greatest honour. Because I yeah. know I love my pets more than any, anyone. <laughs> anyone. Even the people I say I love. Thank you, beautiful people. Just gorgeous. Cass and Janie, little Zan. Hopefully one day I'll get to see her and give her a little cuddle. Now, what are you banging on about this week? Oh, okay. I almost forgot. I know. This is a good one. Um, I don't know if you're across the podcast maintenance phase. Mm -mm. Lots of people talk about maintenance phase and it started a couple of years ago. It's two Americans, uh, both authors and investigative journalists, Michael Hobbs and Aubrey Gordon. And what they do is break down a different topic each week relating to toxic diet culture and fat phobia. Ah. Yeah. And it's 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 really quite interesting. It, it reframes a lot of the things that you hear in the media, the mm. myths about um, the impact of people who are – obese on the medical system, that kind of thing, and just breaks it down and tells you this is not, in fact, the case. Like, it's it's a real education in how our brains have been trained to think about these things. Anyway, why I listen to this particular episode is because it has a local local reference and they've done a deep dive and I hate that term but it actually is because it's two episodes and I'm only one in and I can't wait to hear the next one on Pete Evans. Oh yeah. So what they do is take a figure and then explain everything that they've done. I hate that, that he's representative done. of Australian diet culture. I know. They explain everything that he's done and then they just go in and debunk all of it. Mm. So I, I, I know there's probably people listening who do things like the paleo diet and that's fine, totally fine. It's certainly not a dig at that. You, you choose whatever you want, but it really goes in hard from an outsider's perspective on what, uh, I guess, uh, some of the ideas behind that particular diet culture are. Mm. And it was it's fascinating. Mm. It's utterly fascinating. So, yeah, it was, yeah. like I said, I'm one episode in. I can't wait to hear the next one. And, yeah, anyone can choose what they want to eat. That's totally fine. But it, it's really nice to hear a podcast that's really relaxed too about all the tutting that we get mm. in diet culture. Oh, you shouldn't have this and you need to have this. And it's like, oh, and they, they're, they're hilarious. They go, oh, that's just exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> we say all the time, I want to wake up one day and not think about that. I just I've mm. spent so many minutes and so many hours of every day thinking about that. Yeah. I was exhausted. And it's pretty wild. Like the the first the the first episode is wild. I'm like, oh my god, I had no idea. I love this. This is a great cell maintenance phase. Maintenance phase podcast. I am signing up now. Mm, and awesome. it's always good when someone from outside roasts an Australian local celebrity <laughs> too, and deservedly so. Bring it on. Yep. What are you banging on about? Look, I'm banging on about something that I'm kind of almost asking for a bit of a bang back about because I don't know how I feel it or if I even understand it. Mm. And you might have seen a few people talk about this new HBO show, The Rehearsal, which is been made by a comedian and kind of strained unit by the name of Nathan Fielder. Mm. It's on Binge locally. It's... I, I Look, can I just say, I started watching a little bit of it. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I, I've watched... I was waiting a few weeks to watch five <laughs> episodes and I'm still confused. The basic construct is that he's like, if you... The idea is if you... There's certain things in life that are harder to do than others. Confrontations, 
trying out different things, like maybe, you know, you want to have a baby, but you're worried about like raising a child. What if you could rehearse these moments? And he takes that idea of a rehearsal. To, oh, I hate it. To extreme levels, like making very, very true recreations of like a bar setting where this is going to take place, down to like having actors and, you know, the bartender that usually works, all kinds of stuff of this confrontation so it can be as true as possible for this person who needs to confront his friend about something. Or a, a child um, being raised in like two weeks so they just swap in and out babies that are slightly older so every four hours it just gets older and someone can (laughs) quote-unquote experience raising a child anyway the thing I can't get my head around is are these people in it actually real people or are they really good actors do we know I don't know yet and it does feel because you judge these people and I feel uncomfortable with that because he's putting them in bizarre situations for comedy and it is very strange comedy like you've really this is not your Dave Hughes stand-up set. This is really left-field strange wow. comedy. And I'm not sure how comfortable I feel about it because I I find myself judging these people on their choices and I'm like, oh, you're sort of setting them up, but also you're, you're creating these absolutely bizarre situations um, and almost and not going any deeper into their reactions. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, what I saw was weird. I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. Were I'm they... still confused. So if you've seen the rehearsal and you've got any great yeah. like insight, it's very like the first episode I was like, this is so much and I can't actually watch two episodes back to back because it's just made my head spin. And then I did watch two episodes back to back recently and I've watched more and more. There's something about it that's very compelling, but I almost judge myself as to why it's compelling. It's like, why am I watching this? And what's what is it? Maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is my reaction to it. Oh, maybe yeah. I'm like I'm falling into some sort of meta reaction. Sounds like very layered, oh. very layered. Goodness, is me. it too clever or is it just mean? I don't know. So the okay. rehearsal—that's my bang on, where I'm kind of asking for a bit of bang fan to bang back. You're confused. I'm thoroughly confused. Okay, I get that. I like that. Um, but I'm glad I watched a few episodes because I was enjoying it. Going, wow, this is like nothing I've seen. And then I was like, oh, I feel mean. I feel mean in the way that I'm watching this. What bit makes you feel mean that that? My judgment of these people and the things that they're saying. Okay. But then I'm like, is it the way that he's positing it? It's like a philosophy class. I have more questions than answers. This is good. (laughs) This is what we want from our television, isn't it? Or maybe not. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. You just asked me another question I don't have an answer for. (laughs) Anyway. On that note. Have a great time not thinking at all next week. Mm. Enjoying the bintangs. Thank you. Getting a bit of a nice base tan. Yeah. I'm Can't looking, wait. looking forward to seeing you absolutely beaming in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for, you know, supporting my holiday. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm here. Here if you need. <laughs> Bye, babes. Bye. on. Very confused bang on there, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just more questions than answers. It was good. I liked it.